You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 197, by Rudolf Steiner, entitled Polarities in the Evolution of Mankind, Translator Unknown, 11 Lectures. This is Lecture 7, given in Stuttgart on the 30th of July, 1920. Today I shall have to continue with some of the topics I discussed the last time I was here. It is particularly important indeed necessary, to stress the connection between what I have said before and what I wish to add today. I have explained that the road to spiritual science calls for recognition to be given to two facts. One fact is that it is impossible to imagine that matter, physical substance, can be found in the outer world of our human environment. This can be clearly understood on the basis of many different things that can be learned through spiritual science. Our eyes behold the outside world, our ears hear the outside world, and we come to understand nature in a way when we use the intellect to combine the things we see, hear, and perceive with the other senses. We then think we know something about outer nature. Yet, We are in error if we think and believe some form of science will help us to find physical matter and the laws pertaining to it in that outer nature. Materialism was in error, not because it was speaking of physical matter, but because materialists thought they could find physical matter and the laws of physical matter, its infrastructure and essential nature, in the outside world. People saying they do not want to know about the outside world because it is a material world and that they want to follow the inner mystical path to a world of the spirit are, therefore, materialists just as much as people who simply interpret the outside world in materialistic terms. Their search along the path of mysticism shows that in their view, too, physical matter is to be found in the outside world. The people of more recent times are in error when they look for the essential nature of matter in the outside world. To put things right essentially means that we must no longer look for the nature of matter in the outside world and be very clear in our minds that however far we extend our sensory perceptions, we shall never discover the nature of matter and its infrastructure, its laws. It has to be understood that all that exists in the outside world is maya. It is the world of phenomena. Look as we may, we shall never find anything material in that outside world. On the other hand, we must grasp a second, quite different fact. It is that the nature of matter, 
which materialism is erroneously looking for in the outside world, may be found within ourselves. We shall find it particularly if we become one-sided abstract mystics. The contents of a certain mysticism coming to our awareness, experiences we think we are having, are nothing but the flame, I would say, that is lit within us by processes involving our physical organs. Considering the mysticism of Tauler and of Meister Eckhart, one is right in thinking that these men had a special faculty for experiencing these things and interpreting the physical matter in their bodies when the flame of awareness was ignited. They found the material world through mysticism, until we know that external observation reveals only the world of phenomena, maya, and that inward observation reveals only physical matter and its flame, we cannot get a clear, true picture of the nature of the world and the way human beings relate to this world. Physical matter is not to be found by applying science to the outside world, it must be sought within us, through mysticism. There we shall find its laws. The essential nature of gravity is not to be found with the aid of Atwood's machine. Instead, we can try in our thirty-second year, or perhaps at another time in our lives, to become inwardly aware of gravity, so that we know from inner experience what it really means to experience gravity. Concrete inner experience should show us that between the thirtieth and fortieth year we grow heavier and heavier inside. We can gain inner experience of a property of matter that merely comes to expression in mystical experiences. I have tried to demonstrate the essential point by saying that anyone finding himself in the midst of the chaos of the planet, the way modern scientists do, cannot get a clear idea concerning these things. We see the plants, the animals, the cloud cover, we see the glittering light of the stars, we see rivers, hills and valleys, and so on. Yet if someone were to observe the earth from Mars, for instance, none of these would matter. An inhabitant of the planet Mars, observing the earth through some instrument or other, we may well imagine, and it would be in accord with the truth, though in a different way, that those who inhabit Mars have the kind of organization that enables them to observe the earth, would perceive nothing of the cloud formations, rivers and mountains we see, nothing of the phenomena relating to the mineral plant and animal kingdoms. He would only perceive what goes on inside the skin of the human beings living on earth. Everything else would vanish before the eye, E-Y-E, of an inhabitant of Mars. He would perceive only what goes on inwardly in the organic life of human beings. And for him, that would be the material world of the earth. When we grow aware of a mystical element within us, it is not what many mystics think it is, but the flame that is cooked inside us. 
That is the place where we can find out about the physical matter of the earth. This form of self-perception takes us into the sphere of matter and of energy, an area where the people of the Western world have arrived at exactly the opposite view over the last centuries. This gives an indication of the extent to which we have to change our thinking if the decline is to become an upward movement again. People think they are materialists or idealists or spiritualists because they follow a particular philosophy. That is not the case. We are far from being spiritualists when we say we contemplate the inner and not the outer life. It could indeed happen that someone is concentrating on his inner life and exactly by doing so comes to observe matter, the way it turns into a flame inside us. To find the right path it will be necessary to grasp what I mean and to do so with the right inner attitude. The outer world, as we perceive it with the senses, offers only phenomena. It does not reveal the root and origin of the phenomena. Their root and origin lies inside our own skins. Anything we see outside should be regarded in the same way as we regard a rainbow. Anyone who believes a rainbow to be more than merely a phenomenon, thinking it to be something material spanning the heavens, is taking the wrong view. In the same way we are in error, if, due to the fact that our sense of touch is also involved when we perceive the world around us, we believe we are surrounded by material things and not mere phenomena. The only difference compared to a rainbow is that other senses are also involved. Materiality cannot be found there, however, just as it does not exist in a rainbow. Everything outside us is phenomenon. The root and origin of the phenomena, therefore, is inside the human skin. The processes that carry the affairs of the earth from one age to another take place inside the human skin. It may seem highly improbable and paradoxical to modern minds, but it is nevertheless true that the phenomena which surround us today and the laws apparent in these phenomena are not the outer consequence of material events that occurred 3,000 years before the mystery of Golgotha. They are the consequence of what went on inside the bodies of Egyptians, of Chaldeans and others, 3,000 years before the mystery of Golgotha. Those inner events have become outer ones. The outside world of those times has vanished, disappeared. Human bodies hold the germ for a future that may be reckoned in thousands of years. It is possible to see this by considering the natural phenomena of today drawing a conclusion that may be bold but nevertheless revealing. People talk about the properties of the element radium. To someone able to perceive the reality of the spirit, this sometimes sounds like children talking about something adult minds have long since come to understand 
on the basis of different facts. Modern physicists know that the radium which existed on the Earth's surface up to A.D. 140 has since disappeared and no longer is radium. The radium that is found today has only formed since A.D. 140. Physicists are actually teaching this now. These things present themselves to human minds to force them, as it were, finally, to give up the erroneous ways of thinking which had to be pursued for centuries for the sake of human freedom. All this shows that it is necessary to consider the things spiritual science, working toward anthroposophy, presents to human minds in a totally different way from the way we usually look at things. It is necessary to abandon mere theory and consider the reality, to progress at all levels from abstract intellectual knowledge to active perceptiveness to doing things, really doing something in relation to the world. As I have said before, but it is essential to make this point with real forcefulness, people think that some are materialists nowadays and others are spiritualists. A spiritualist will say, quote, he's a materialist and has to be opposed because it is not true that the soul is the product of physical matter. What the materialist says is wrong and we have done enough when we have refuted his arguments. The materialist is in error and therefore must be opposed. Close quote. That is not the point, however. It is not a question of logic, of theories. Yet people always think spiritual science is all theory. Spiritual science, working toward anthroposophy, always bases itself on reality, sometimes, of course, seeking it in the place where it is to be truly found, in the true realm of the spirit. People who look to the outside world and seek to find matter everywhere, by the methods now used in molecular and atomic theory, it it makes no difference if they see matter as point sources of energy or as tiny building stones, are not merely subject to an error in logic that can be refuted. True spiritual science has nothing to do with purely theoretical concepts. It is concerned with reality. Anyone looking for more than phenomena in the outside world is on the road not only to logical error, but to organic illness affecting the whole of his person. We should not say that to follow this road is an error in logic. We should say that anyone searching for truth in that direction is on the road to organic illness, on the road to feeble-mindedness. Spiritual science working toward anthroposophy often has to change theoretical views into views that relate to reality. The search for clarity of ideas and concepts has nothing to do with merely agreeing or disagreeing with the views of others. It has to do with sickness and health, very real things in our lives. It therefore has to be said that a seeker who looks to phenomena for more than mere phenomena, for physical matter, is on the road to feeble-mindedness, to organic illness. This is entirely within the sphere of reality. 
In the same way, we cannot simply oppose people who look to find abstract spirituality within themselves. Someone looking for the spirit by following the path of mere one-sided inner mysticism, failing to realize that when he comes to see through the tissue of this mysticism, it is materiality he finds, is on the road to becoming infantile, to developing an organic illness taking the form of childishness. Parenthesis. I have given it the name that may well be given when one perceives this from beyond the threshold. Close parenthesis. If we call this the threshold from the physical to the non-physical world, with the guardian of the threshold standing there, the quality we call inspiration or genius on this side may justifiably be called childishness on the other side of the threshold. Childishness goes the wrong way in the physical world if it persists throughout life. Genius, on the other hand, means that a certain childlike quality persists in the background throughout life. Genius is achieved when we are able to retain into ripe old age a quality of soul that normally belongs to childhood. This is seen in its true form from beyond the threshold. If, however, that childlike soul quality persists one-sidedly into subsequent life stages, then this element, which in its rightful place in the human sphere is genius, becomes childishness instead. Once again we see that purely logical ideas must be replaced with ideas relating to reality as soon as we enter the sphere of spiritual science. They must be replaced with concepts that not merely change our views but produce inner organic changes. Spiritual science working toward anthroposophy is a very serious matter. The seriousness of it is not given full recognition when people approach the work of spiritual science with their ordinary mental attitudes. They want to agree or disagree the way they usually do in the outside world. They want to continue in their habitual ways as they approach spiritual science. Spiritual science working toward anthroposophy can, however, only be taught by speaking in the terms of the world beyond. There, words have entirely different meanings. Gravity, which exerts a downward pull here on earth, exerts an upward pull in that world. In the spiritual world, we have to speak of what draws us down in a way that makes it the exact opposite. It is not surprising, then, that anyone taking spiritual science seriously is to begin with completely misunderstood by people who want to proceed in the customary way, a way that was inevitable in the age of materialism when they approached spiritual science. The inevitable result is that things like those I dared to put to you yesterday are misunderstood. Someone presenting his own views in opposition to Oswald Spengler would simply refute him. A spiritual scientist finds himself obliged not to refute Spengler's view in the usual way. He has to assume points of view rather than follow a rigid line. 
He will have to say that Oswald Spengler speaks from a different point of view, one that offers no prospects for the immediate future. We do justice to such phenomena if we do not simply refute them, but show the genius that is in them, speaking with inner concern about the things one would like to see overcome. Spiritual science has much more to do with the way in which we deal with these things than with bald statements, with the kind of mystical platitude that the person who produces it even believes to be a particularly inspired truth. We have to consider these things, for we are moving into an age where we have to get beyond the mere contents of intellectual life. This is something I want to stress over and over again. We must get beyond the mere content of intellectual life. Going just by the content, even a fool would find it relatively easy to refute Oswald Spengler's ideas. That is by no means difficult, but it is not what matters. What matters is to establish the concrete reality of Spengler's work and show how it can be overcome in a real and concrete way. In future, the essential point in characterizing a person will be more and more to consider what they are actually saying rather than to respond in sympathy or antipathy to what he or she has to say. We should not consider whether certain contents please or displease us, but whether there is a spiritual quality to them. It is more important for the overall outcome of world evolution that there is someone who is an inspired materialist, a genius in representing materialism, for that calls for a brilliant mind, whilst it often needs very little intelligence to represent platitudinous mysticism. A platitudinous mystic may, on occasion, do more to make the world materialistic than an inspired materialist. It is the quality of mind that matters. Recognition of this fact will count for much more in future than the actual content. This is something we have to learn. We must not seek for the spirit as though it were a system of logic. We must look for its reality. Let me ask you this. Would it not be possible for you to see that more of the spirit is alive in an inspired materialist than in a spiritualist full of platitudes? These are the things spiritual science working toward anthroposophy must come to see clearly. It is the reality of the spirit that matters, not the abstract statements made by one person or another. People fail to realize how important it is to consider realities and not theories. Some of the things we see in ordinary life simply must be considered from the point of view of spiritual science today if we are to get them clear in our minds. Consider the parties which have formed in public life in our everyday world. Let us, first of all, consider the ordinary political parties. You know that the most miserable, sterile clichés are to be found in party politics. Yet to some extent we are all part of this willy-nilly unless we want to withdraw completely from public life or perhaps cannot have a vote because we are stateless and have not been given the right to vote anywhere, 
Everybody who has the right to vote is forced to support one line or another, that is, to work along party lines. Parties are a fact of life. They go back to better times, to the English seesaw system, when there was the Conservative Party on one side and the Liberal Party on the other. It may be said that all the parties that now exist are different combinations of those two shades. Sometimes the liberal element, which is to the left, takes on some color from conservatism on the right, and conservatism is colored with liberalism from the left, as in the case of the Social Democrats, or conservatism turns radical, as we have seen in the present time. All in all, it can be said that the conservative liberal seesaw is the pattern on which all our parties are based. That is the picture one gets when looking at this in an outer way. The most dreadful things are happening in those party organizations. Everybody would admit this. The thing exists, however, and the question is why it exists. What does it really represent? What, in fact, are parties? Everything that presents itself in the physical world is an image of the non-physical world. What is it that exists in the non-physical world with the result that in the physical world we have parties as an image of it? The matter can only be properly understood if we grasp the conditions which apply when we go across the threshold to the spiritual world. There we arrive at something very different, at the real nature of things. Here in the physical world we are idealists, skeptics, realists, spiritualists, or any other kind of ists. We are something that can be summed up in a manifesto, as a political or sociological system. In short, we are something ists. We base ourselves on an abstract notion, for parties always base themselves on manifestos, systems, and the like, that is, on abstract notions. As soon as we cross the threshold to the spiritual world, we are no longer dealing in mere logic and abstract notions. We are dealing with realities. It is merely that this is not usually taken seriously. You cannot give your allegiance to a party program when you have gone past the guardian of the threshold. You can only hold to the essential spirit of things, for there everything has to do with the essential spirit. You can merely hold to a spirit of the higher hierarchies and say, that is the one I follow, the one I unite with. Let others present their affairs in their own way. I am uniting with that one. I take his side. The term, quote, to side with one or another, close quote, achieves very real significance then. It is no longer merely abstract. Being human, we are inclined to say that as soon as we look beyond the threshold, we find three essential spirits, the Christ, Araman, and Lucifer. It is, of course, possible to prepare oneself carefully to gain comprehension of the spiritual world and then to say, I choose Christ's party or Araman's or Lucifer's party. It is, however, also possible to obscure the issue, being badly prepared, 
and choose Araman but call him Christ. We follow a spiritual entity, however. Everything is of the essence beyond the threshold. We are always dealing with realities there, not with anything by way of a program or system. These words I say to characterize the relationship of the human being to the non-physical world are weighty words. In one particular respect, it is not yet possible to say the final word on the subject, because that would be too provocative. Very few people on this earth, however, are aware that basically it is an illusion to follow party lines, to accept the abstract notions of parties. There is no reality to it. And when we begin to follow something that is real, we must in fact follow something that lies in the spiritual world beyond the threshold. There is, however, one party that may immediately be characterized as being well aware of this secret and indeed acting upon it. This was said in public in the course of lectures given at Karlsruhe in 1911 and has brought me the hatred of the party in question. These are the Jesuits. They know very well that to follow a party program, forgive me for using a term commonly used in Germany, is nonsense. One follows a spiritual entity in the non-physical world. That is why their exercises start with the Jesuit having to visualize the spirit whom he is to follow in the society of Jesus, forming a military corporation for him. When I say that the last word cannot yet be said, I want to hold back concerning the nature of what is called Jesus there. The point is to show that Jesuitism forms a party that follows a spiritual entity and that Jesuits are very well aware that to follow some party or other that goes no further than a program to be followed in the physical world is a nonsense. The effectiveness of the Society of Jesus is due to the fact that it trains its followers to be the soldiers of a spiritual entity. They do not say this is right and this is wrong. They say, It is part of the mission of the spiritual entity I am following. I shall defend it. I shall oppose anything that is not part of the mission of the spiritual entity I am following even if it is logically defensible. It is just as possible to defend what Lucifer and Araman are about as it is to defend the things Christ is about. There are exactly three logical defenses, and they are all equally valid. We therefore have the strange phenomenon that the Jesuits are, of course, aware that anthroposophy is taking a spiritual line that is wholly defensible, and yet they oppose it. They know full well that logical argument is no effective opposition, for it merely means playing with logic. They know that they are facing an adversary in this battle of minds, and they will use all available means. It is therefore pointless to join battle by refuting the refutations of the Jesuits. They know exactly what objections we can raise. The fact that they know them and consider them to be fair makes no difference, however, 
for they follow another spirit, then the one anthroposophy must now follow for the weal of humankind. As soon as one is in the realm of the spirit, it is reality that counts. What counts is that one really gets a clear understanding of the spiritual paths, using the whole human being in arriving at such understanding, which certainly can be achieved with healthy common sense nowadays, and not the human dwarf who tends to be the end product of the kind of educational establishments we have today. The parties which exist in physical life are therefore caricatures of something that rightfully exists in the spiritual world. That is what is so difficult about it. Things appearing in the physical world may be a reflection of something of genuine significance in the spiritual world. In the physical world, it is pernicious and abominable, because every world has its own laws. And today we face the growing necessity to work our way up into the spiritual world again. The first stage consists of caricatures of spiritual life appearing in physical life, of people setting up party banners and following party idols, when in fact they should be giving their allegiance to spiritual entities. It is truth and reality when it occurs in the non-physical world, and a lie and illusion when it occurs here in the physical world. You see, I am not using empty words when I tell you that what matters is to transform purely theoretical things into the reality whenever we wish to speak of the truths that exist beyond the threshold. Mere refutation of materialism will not achieve anything because the situation is like this where the human being is concerned. In their whole makeup, human beings are really spirit and soul. This element of spirit and soul exists even before we are conceived, before we are born. It has evolved out of our previous earth incarnation. It has gone through the spiritual world. It now assumes flesh, creating a physical image of itself that consists of nervous system, skeletal system, blood system. So, we now have two things, the human being in soul and spirit and the human being of flesh and bone that is its image. When we are thinking the usual abstract thoughts, what is it that thinks in us? Not the human being of soul and spirit. It is particularly when we think abstract thoughts, above all using earthly logic, that the physical brain in us is thinking. It is important to know that when materialists say that the brain does the thinking, they are quite correct as far as abstract thoughts are concerned. The physical brain is an image of the spiritual brain, and this image creates an image, abstract thinking being merely an image. It may thus be said that when it comes to abstract ideas, the physical brain does the thinking. This is simply a special case of what I have said before. Materialism has merely found out that the brain is thinking the thoughts that from the middle of the 15th century onward have become standard in Western civilization.
the materialism presented by Moschat, Büchner, and that fat man Vogt, cannot be simply refuted by saying it is wrong. It is quite appropriate for human beings who from the middle of the 15th century onward have turned more and more to mere materialism. Human beings of the Western world are in the process of becoming beings that think only with the physical brain. The prophets of such physical brain thinking, Moschat and Büchner, merely stated what Western humankind was going to be. They were wrong only insofar as they applied this to humankind as a whole. What they said applies only to people living after the middle of the 15th century, and in their case it does apply. People have got used to thinking only with their brains. It is the common way of thinking nowadays. Everything to be found in our ordinary literature, in the whole of modern science, is material thinking, is that kind of thinking. The materialists are quite right. And we could say that Büchner and Vogt would have been unfair to their colleagues if they had said that they thought with the spirit. That is not the case. They think merely with their brains. This cannot be argued against, and it has to be recognized that the road to materiality is not merely a false philosophy, but something with a very real effect. That is also the reason why, when something like spiritual science working toward anthroposophy appears on the scene, those people will say, quote, These are thoughts beyond comprehension. They cannot be grasped. Close quote. Well, they want to think with their brains. The thoughts of spiritual science are, however, thought with a soul and spirit element that has torn itself away from the brain. People must make efforts to tear their soul and spirit away from the brain with the help of thoughts that have been produced in this way. They must think those thoughts through. People must make an effort to think those thoughts through, to use the opportunity that still exists of tearing the element of soul and spirit away from the physical aspect of the brain. This element is on the way to being chained to the physical brain. People must tear themselves free. It is not a question, therefore, of right views and wrong views, but of a process. The thoughts of spiritual science, working toward anthroposophy, are given to the world in the hope that people who are still capable of handling the old faculty of tearing themselves away that lies in them will indeed make use of it and try and understand thoughts that are independent of the physical body so that their souls may grow free of the body. It is therefore a question of having the will to understand anthroposophy. Anthroposophy is intended to tear the element of spirit and soul away from the physical body. Our mission, therefore, is not merely to refute views that are wrong, but we must face the fact that very many people want to slither into them, want to be sheer matter, and want to think, use their will, and feel out of matter. We want to give spiritual science working toward anthroposophy to the world as something real, so that spirit and soul may be torn away from matter. 
The aim is to prevent the possibility of people losing their spirit and soul, for they now run the risk of slithering entirely into the aramonic sphere. People face the risk of losing soul and spirit and of losing themselves as human beings when the material world vanishes into nothingness, as I have described on an earlier occasion. It is not a question, therefore, of replacing the old with the new, but to become active in the search for truth. This saves the soul from slithering into mere materiality. It saves the spirit and the soul element from slithering into the aramonic sphere, where egoity would be lost. It is not a question, therefore, of refuting materialism, but of saving humankind from materialism coming true. Materialism is in the process of developing into something that is true rather than false. When people say that materialism is wrong, they are not talking about what really matters. No, we have to say that materialism is coming to be more and more right. In our present culture, it is coming to be more and more right. We may well find that by the beginning of the third millennium, humankind will have developed in such a way that materialism is the correct view. It is not a question of refuting materialism, for it is in the process of becoming right. It is a question of making it not right, because it is on the way to becoming a fact and no longer merely a wrong theory. Certain people are trying to ignore these things. They want to make it as easy as possible for others, telling them to see how wrong materialism is and inviting them to turn to an abstract mysticism that will give them everything they need. We could take up such abstract mysticism, but that would encourage materialism to become real and not mere theory. We do not have to overcome materialism because it is wrong, using words that remain theory, we have to overcome it because it is right, and we must fight against it being the right thing. This puts another face on things. And this is also where we find ourselves in the reality of the spiritual world, not with theories, but with a living approach to the truth that in the cosmic scheme of things is an active deed. People find it unpalatable have to listen to such things, yet that is the light in which everything should be regarded, even individual events. Believe me, the old methods of combat are finished with. Everything that could be the habitual way in the past is now finished. We must consider things in the light of the Spirit. What is conservatism? What is liberalism? Here on earth they are caricatures of the spiritual world. Conservatives are followers of Araman, liberals of Lucifer. Having passed the guardian of the threshold, one can see how the whole of conservatism is running after Araman and the whole of liberalism after Lucifer. That may seem peculiar to the sophisticated people of today. It is, however, because this seems so peculiar that spiritual science, working toward anthroposophy, is so difficult to understand. We shall never understand spiritual science by merely thinking it. 
We shall only come to understand it if every one of its concepts makes us suffer and rejoice. When we feel lifted up and cast down, when we want to despair over a word or think we shall be redeemed because of a word, when we see destiny at work in what normally appears as a shadowy theory, just as we see it at work in things that are done in the outside world, when what spiritual science working toward anthroposophy has to say goes beyond being mere words and becomes reality. Then when the inner impulse alive in this spiritual science is understood and felt, it will be rightly seen why things that for a time were maintained as mere theory, because people first had to come to know about them, must now become reality. Why we have to be serious about the reality that lives in the words of spiritual science working toward anthroposophy. It will be seen that the necessity arises in our age to make the substantial essence of those words come to reality. It is still the case that what is really intended with such a Waldorf school is not at all seen in the light of reality that it is far too little considered in the sense which I have tried to characterize for you. Believe me, this is not to touch your hearts nor to gain a little more support. Things have been said that had to be said now because humankind must know them. That is why I have said the things I have been saying. I merely wish that the opportunity would arise to say these things to a sufficiently large number of people so that these people develop an inner impulsiveness where they take words as realities and do not really listen in the belief that one is speaking theories. This is what I have wanted to put to you on these two occasions. It will have to happen that outer events follow not on the external contents of spiritual science as it is presented, but out of inner impulses. Fighters like the Jesuits, know very well what many followers of anthroposophy still fail to realize, that spiritual science working toward anthroposophy is a reality. Since they have come to realize this, they have done so for some time now, from about 1906 or 1907, since they have come to realize that they are opposing this spiritual science with increasing vigor. Many anthroposophists have no idea of the methods that are used, the sheer ingenuity, because there is a refusal to be really sure in one's mind of the seriousness of the situation. Words will only evoke a little bit of the things one really wishes people to take to heart. I have tried, however, to present just a little of it to you on these two occasions. If we reflect on what has been said, if we progress from reflection to feeling, to letting it become part of the whole of our being. There will be an end to abstract mysticism and to modern science. It will become the essential inner nature of the human being. It will be the power that releases spirit and soul again from physical matter. It will overcome a materialism that unfortunately is not wrong, but is indeed true. The End of Lecture 7